Mark 10 and verse 13, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Not that he needs to be converted in his childhood years, but he must come in the simplicity of faith, uh, in the way that a little child is full of simplistic trust. We must come to Christ as that little child, otherwise we don't enter into heaven. Those that think that they can do a bit themselves or a significant chunk themselves and earn themselves a passage to God's heaven, well, they don't come like little children. They come as proud individuals, and they're ruled out here because unless they do come as a little child in humility and trust, they will not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Let's briefly bow in prayer again, as tonight we're going to consider the commendations of Christ once more from the passage we've just read, Mark 10, 13 to 16. Heavenly Father, to Thee we come tonight. We leave Thy Word before Thee. We pray that Thou wilt own it. It is Thy handwriting, that by Thy Spirit Thou wilt apply it unto our hearts. And may we know tonight that God has said something really profitable and even exercised us, exercised us strongly through the presentation of His holy Word. We pray in Jesus' name and for God's eternal glory. Amen. Out of all the many word pictures that are painted for us in the gospel records through the four gospels, we have one of the most beautiful here that is given in Mark 10, verse 13 through to 16. And the thing is, we don't even have to be artistic or imaginative to picture the scene that we have painted before us here. We have a wonderful picture whereby the mothers, mothers of Salem, are bringing their children to the Lord. And whoever brought them here, they find that our Savior was most welcoming, overflowing with compassion, tenderness, and warmth, and He gladly received each one of them, took them up in His arms, and blessed those children presented to Him on this occasion. Now, we can read the story here in three of the Gospels, and the fact that it is mentioned three times over, Matthew 19, verse 13 to 15, Mark 10, verse 13 to 16, and again in Luke 18, verse 15 to 17, the fact that we have three records of the same incident means the Holy Spirit of God wants us to note, underline in our minds, emphasize to us as we go out and serve Jesus Christ. He wants us to know the Lord Jesus welcomed and blessed the little ones who were brought to Him. And so we ask, as we do at any other occasion when we come to the Word of God, is there a lesson or lessons that we can glean from the incident that we have in front of us here? And of course, it tells us right away about the privilege and responsibility of bringing children to Christ. 
The serious danger as well is highlighted of hindering them from coming to Him, being a stumbling block, being a roadblock in their way, being a hindrance in their way. Every child for whom Jesus Christ has died needs to be brought to Him, need to be assured that He has died for them and He is waiting to save them. Think of the danger of hindering children from coming to Him. And it was the disciples here, we are reminded in Mark 10, 13, it was the disciples who got in the way. They were the ones who put up the roadblock here, and they brought young children to Him, we read, that He should touch them, and His disciples rebuked those that brought them. And whether their intention was a good and an honorable one, and I'm sure it was, despite where the intention came from, what its source was, this was a terrible intervention by the disciples right here. And our Lord, He is displeased. And the Greek words indicate that He was moved with indignation. That's how intensely He felt about it. This is the Savior who in Matthew 18 and the verse 6 gave us this warning. Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Our Savior is not mincing his words there. He is being very direct and straight to the point. We have a number of questions to ask. Pretty simple and straightforward ones. Number one, who are to bring the little ones to Jesus? Who are to bring them to Jesus? Whose responsibility is it to bring them? Who will be accountable if they don't bring Him? Well, in Mark 10 and the verse 13, here's what we read. And they brought young children to Him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And the word they is surely broader than merely the mothers of the children here. We could include grandmothers potentially here, or sisters, or brothers, or friends, or family relatives here. The word they, it certainly refers to everybody who had a care for those children. Bring in the fathers maybe the grandfathers. But how blessed that child is. If there is somebody in the family, somebody close in the circle of friends who have an active concern for the eternal salvation of that young child. And of course, tonight, we can expand the term they here uh, to include Sunday school teachers, those that are working and reach and explore, those who are in the youth fellowship, for we have a unique opportunity of bringing children to Christ. Right down in the earliest years, those who are nursing children, who are as they nurse them, repeating a Bible passage, Scripture verse, making them familiar at the earliest stages with God's holy Word, something to be encouraged. Who can tell? The influence of a good Christian childminder 
a faithful Sunday school teacher, children's worker, youth leader, who were to bring the little ones to Jesus Christ? All of us, surely, because we're all in touch with some children within the family circle, circle of friends, that we can bring them to Him. Pray for them, encourage their parents, do all we can to bring those children under Christian influence and gospel grace. So, the first question, who are to bring the little ones to Jesus? Second question, how are we to bring the little ones to Jesus? How are we to bring the little ones to Jesus? These people had an advantage on us because our Lord was in a physical location, in a physical body, and they could say, well, Jesus, He's here, Capernaum, Nazareth, wherever. And they could flock to Him as they did in the gospel records, bear that out. He could be seen. He was visible. He was tangible. We can't see Him today, so how do we bring children to Him? We bring them first in faith. We cannot with our human eyes see the Lord with us, but He is with us. And He promises that when we gather in His name, Matthew 18 and 20, that He is in the midst, and we bring them to Him in faith. We can certainly bring those children to the Lord in our prayers. No prayer is much more powerful than that offered by a parent. But whatever connection we have, are we praying for all of those children in our care, by name and by need, interceding before God for them? Can we say, as Hannah did for this child I pray? And some wonderful day, the Lord has granted me the petition that I have desired of Him. We bring them to Christ in faith. We do so in our prayers. We do so at home in our family devotions around the family altar. We do so by bringing them Christian teaching under that influence. We're sharing them the Word of God. We're buying the best books for them the best literature we put into their hands, we bring them as presents so that they'll be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6 and 4. And way back in the Old Testament, it was the same. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, one example of that. There Israel was being taught, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. How do we bring them to Christ? In faith, in our prayers, in our family devotions, by Christian teaching, by special acts of dedication as well. Beautifully illustrated by, and we've just referred to her, what Hannah did in 1 Samuel chapter 1, the verse 24, and she, having had a gift given into her hands, the most precious gift, she is handing him into the care of the Lord and dedicating him to his service. 
We have Mary doing the same in Luke 2 and verse 22. So these are some of the ways by which we can bring children to Christ. But one that we shouldn't forget is by the Christian testimony that we, through our lives, put on display in front of them. Christian can tell instantly what means something to us, what's real to us, what's precious to us, what is right at the top of our list of priorities. They can tell because they watch us. And they know the converse, what is unreal to us. They know when we're being hypocritical. They know if we get out in public and start praising God and saying, this is so important, seek ye first the kingdom of God, they know if we are doing that at home or not. They know if that's the general tenor and drift of our lives or not. May our lives and may our words serve to bring them to Jesus. So, two questions. Now I've answered, who are to bring the little ones to Christ? We all have a role there. How are we to bring the little ones to Christ? There are many different ways, all in combination, of course. And then the third question, when are we to bring the little ones to Jesus Christ? When are we to bring the little ones to Christ? Well, in Mark 10 and verse 13, the words young children appear. When you turn to the corresponding passage in the Gospel of Luke, he uses a different word. He brings it to a younger part of the scale because he talks about infants in Luke 18 and verse 15. And we're told as well our Savior took those that were brought to him in this instance up in his arms indicating, again, that they were very small. Mark 10 and the verse 16. What does that tell you and I but this? It is never too early to bring our little ones to Christ. If we don't, the devil's standing at the door. And he is not a bit ashamed of wheeling out the propaganda Sure, we have children being brought along to libraries now to listen to men dressed up as women. Why would you want to be? Promoting a transgender lifestyle to young, impressionable minds. It is disgusting. The devil is not reticent to get his claws into our children. He goes about seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said his business is to kill and to destroy. We should not be embarrassed as to our calling because we're on the side of Christ. And he's saying, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Why should I be ashamed of offering people life when I know the devil is dragging them to death? Never too early to bring our little ones to Christ.
We don't know how early in life it'll be before a child will come to understand the significance of a Savior's love and a Savior's care. But that's why Jesus said, is it not, in Mark 10 and verse 14, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. And I would imagine that the vast majority of people in churches today that have been in churches for quite some time, they came to the Lord when they were children, when they were young. And so, in answer to the question, when are we to bring the little ones to Jesus Christ as early as possible? We can never be too early. Don't we sing, a little child of seven or even three or four may enter into heaven. Through Christ the open door, for when that child believeth on Christ the Son of God, tis then that child receiveth salvation through his blood. I came across today a beautiful series of five tips for raising godly children. That's not how they were initially released. The initial title was The Duties of Parents, and that was from a writing by J.C. Ryle. And we're going to go through the five points and give you relevant quotes from the pen of Ryle. What are these tips? How do we raise godly children? Training your child to love God, he says, depends on you. He gives your children a mind that will receive impressions like moist clay. He gives them a disposition at the starting point of life to believe what you tell them and to take for granted what you advise them and to trust your word rather than a stranger's. He gives you, in short, a golden opportunity of doing them good. See that you do not neglect such an opportunity. Once you let it slip, it is gone forever. Training your child to love God depends on you. Second thing, training your child means watching over their soul. And Ryle says, nothing should concern you as greatly as their eternal destiny. No part of them should be so dear to you as that part which will never die. In every step you take about them, in every plan and scheme and arrangement that concerns them, do not leave out that mighty question, how will this affect their souls? Training your child to love God depends on you. Training your child means watching over their soul. Training your child, Ryle, goes into this third area to know the Bible. No one but the Holy Spirit, he acknowledges, can give us a heart to delight in the Word, but you can make sure that your children are acquainted with the Bible. And remember that they can never become acquainted with that blessed book too soon or too well. Fill their minds with Scripture. Let the Word dwell in them richly. Give them the Bible, the whole Bible, even when they're young. Why should you not? Because the children we are bringing in, contacting with our outreach, 
are filling their minds with YouTube, and in particular TikTok, and other, a whole conglomerate of nonsense flooding their minds, fill their minds with Scripture. Training your child to know the Bible. Ryle's fourth area that he dealt with was training your child to have a habit of prayer. His quote, remember, that this is the first step in religion which a child is able to take. Long before he can read, you can teach him to kneel by his mother's side and repeat the simple words of prayer and praise which she puts in his mouth. Let it not be your fault if they never call on the name of the Lord. That is such a challenge. Train your child to have a habit of prayer. And the fifth point that he made was training your child to love the church and the Lord's Supper. Here's what he said, do not be discouraged because your children do not see the full value of church and the Lord's Supper now. Just train them to have a habit of regular attendance, set it before their minds as a high, holy, and solemn duty, and believe me, the day will very likely come when they will bless you for your efforts. Then he goes on, and he's throwing out the net a bit beyond the regular church-attending folk. There are many boys and girls in every city beside those who come to Sunday school, and you who are their parents and friends should see to it that they come with you to church. How wonderful it would be if we should fill pew after pew after pew with children brought up in this way. Then we come to a final question. Who are to bring the little ones to Jesus? How are we to bring the little ones to Jesus? When are we to bring the little ones to Jesus? Why? Why are we to bring the little ones to Jesus? Well, we sang about it tonight. The first answer is because He loves them. That's why we bring them. Another answer, because He wants to welcome them. His arms are wide open to receive them. He has good things laid up for them on earth and in eternity. Mark 10, 14 makes us abundantly plain. When Jesus' words are recorded here, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. He delights to welcome them. His promise includes them. In Acts 2 and 39, what do we read? For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and those whom He calls, He has died for, shed His blood for. He loves them. He wants to welcome them. His promise includes them. Another reason why? There's a place in the kingdom of heaven for them. As again, our Savior is telling us in Mark 10, 14, for of such is the kingdom of God. Another reason why? Because they need Him so much. No child could afford to go through this life left to its own devices 
left to fall into every snare and trap of the devil, and there are so many of those. They need the Lord to guide them, to save them, preserve them, keep them, carry them. Why do they need Him so much? Because, well, as Psalm 51 and 5 puts it, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. I need Him because He's the Savior. I'm a sinner. And also, what do we read in Matthew 18 and 4? Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Those little ones are in danger, danger of perishing. They need the Savior. We don't apologize for what we read in Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, for these reasons, there can be many more cited, but for these reasons alone, let us do what we can to bring children to Christ. And when we do it, and are involved in whatever way in bringing children to Him, it'll be just as it was all of those years ago that we're reading about here in Mark chapter 10 when He took them up in His arms, put His hands upon them, and blessed them. Those who brought the children to Christ here are commended. And I'm sure you, as I do, want to hear the well done of God on this level, want to be involved in bringing children to Christ. Let's bow in prayer.